Hi, friends. Welcome to Tony Talks Therapy. I'm your host, Tony Oswegan, a licensed mental health counselor and somatic therapist based in Seattle, Washington. Today, we've got another awesome interview lined up for y'all. We have got Dr. Christina Iglesia on the podcast today. We are talking all about mental health stigma. This is the sort of judgment and discrimination that happens for people who do experience mental health struggles, mental illnesses. Christina and I talk about what stigma is, how it shows up, why it's harmful, and how we can combat mental health stigma in our day-to-day lives. I love Christina so much. I've been following her on Instagram for a while and just really admire all the things that she has done to fight mental health stigma, to share her mental health story, to talk about therapy and normalize therapy. She runs the hashtag therapy is cool mental health action campaign, which sells therapy is cool swag that you can get to really start conversations around mental health to help fight stigma. I am super excited to share this conversation with you all today and to let you all hear all the awesome things that uh, Dr. Christina says. So let's get into it. Hi, Christina. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. Like we were saying just before we started recording, just making it through 2020. <laughs> it's been a year. It really has. Yeah. And I am uh, I'm just like so grateful and excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been following you on Instagram for quite a while now, probably from even before I had my own like therapist Instagram account um, and just super admire what you're doing on that platform and like in the world uh, to bust up therapy stigma and mental health stigma. It's yeah. you're so you're doing such cool things. Thank you. Um, so I wonder if we can start out with you telling us about the hashtag therapy is cool campaign. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I could talk about it all day, <laughs> but I will give you the cliff note version. Yeah. Um, it was the beginning of 2018. I started to notice a pretty prominent trend in my private practice where people were demonstrating how stigmatized them coming to work with me was. So I would have teens, um, teens come in and turn off their location on their phone. Mm -hmm. And I would say, Hey, what are you doing? And they'd say, Oh, well, I just don't want anybody to know I'm here. I would have parents or adults, you know, end a phone call saying, Hey, got to run into the doctor's office instead of saying, oh, I'm at my therapist. Mm -hmm. So I started to kind of put these pieces together um, that people were having a lot of shame, a lot of secrecy, a lot of issues disclosing the fact that they were seeking professional support. And what could I, as a therapist, do to help change that narrative? Mm -hmm. You and me both know how powerful and healing and beneficial therapy is, but it seems that even now in 2020, the majority of people still view it in a very negative, limited lens. Yes. So I came up with an idea kind of modeled after the idea of like kindness is cool. I really liked how people tried to kind of use something good and attach it to cool. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, what if therapy is cool? What if looking at your mental health is cool? What if taking care of your needs is cool? What could we do to help promote that message so that people aren't continuing to struggle in silence and limit their possibilities due to mental health stigma. So I launched it in 2018 um, on World Mental Health Day. And since then, the response has been amazing. I was not prepared um, (laughs) for that. And, you know, each each day we get orders um, for, you know, the hashtag therapy is cool merchandise 
it's been shipped to all 50 states we're at 34 countries and so what I hoped would be uh, a kickstart to conversations about mental health and taking care of it has now you know created its own community of fellow mental health advocates who want to help normalize seeking support and let others know that if anything taking care of your mental health is a good cool proactive thing to do absolutely it's such a powerful campaign and message with such a simple thing like wearing I've got the uh, therapy is cool bag that I will carry around and people will be like hey I like your bag and even just like that little interaction right like that's normalizing therapy for people yep Um, and it's it's so cool you shipped to all 50 states and you said 34 countries I know and these are countries where I mean I'll look at it and it's something like Saudi Arabia wow where I know how stigmatized mental health issues are and I'll get emails from people of these countries saying hey I purchased this and I want to say thank you and 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 it's amazing to know that something so simple can help people feel open and safe to have these conversations absolutely and that's how change can happen right this is just a slogan to start a conversation that people can take so many different ways and Mm -hmm. hopefully will let people know that they don't have to be shameful they don't have to struggle in silence and that you know we all deserve support at some point in our lives yes exactly exactly can you talk a little bit about what mental health stigma is and the different ways it can show up. Absolutely. For me, mental health stigma is the discrimination and prejudicial lens that people continue to hold around those who struggle with their mental health. Mm -hmm. I think that, unfortunately, we have a very long history of this, all the way from when mental health conditions and illnesses first came and people were, you know, viewing it as demonic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, experiences to asylums to, you know, medication without consent. Like there's just so many layered and painful paths around mental health that as much as we've come now, it really hasn't even begun to make a dent in mm-hmm. the overall lens of how people view mental health. Yeah. We continue to differentiate mental health struggles from physical struggles where we can easily identify somebody who has a physical ailment and want to offer and give support versus somebody who has a mental health issue Mm -hmm. who we either um, reject or find fault in or responsibility, there seems to still be such a big disconnect in seeing the body as a whole and understanding that um, mental health is health and we need to be offering support and treatment and compassion to know no matter what body part is in pain, our leg or our mind it doesn't matter. People are struggling. Suicide is on the rise. Mm -hmm. These are all real issues because we still live in a world where mental health is viewed as a moral failing. And until we can start changing that narrative, uh, unfortunately, people are going to lose their struggles um, because we can't create a safe enough space for people to be okay getting help and safe enough to know that they can ask for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that you touched on the sort of historical nature of stigma that we didn't just, this isn't like a modern invention that for almost all of human history, we have stigmatized people who have mental health struggles. Um, And it like, Gosh, I wish I had some like examples of that off the top of my head, but there's so many, um, so many examples of the way that we have treated people who have 
any sort of mental health struggle, whether it's yes. like depression or some sort of psychosis or an addiction yes. or any of that stuff. Yep. Um, yep. And it's just maybe like morphed over time. Right. Yeah. And, and it hasn't dissolved. Yeah. Right. I mean, just because we're talking about it more. Yes. I think that that matters and there's impact there, but we have to understand and remember that this is so inherently ingrained in our society yeah. that it's going to take so much more than these small shifts. It's going to take a collective understanding and desire to have education around mental health mm-hmm. for people to start um, viewing, talking, and holding their ideas differently. Right. And that's not going to happen overnight, but it can happen if there's people like you and me who strongly feel that mental health needs to be in all conversations about health. Yes. Mental health needs to be in all school systems. Mental health needs to be discussed in all workplaces. We have to overdo it to even mm-hmm. make the smallest impact because of the historical nature that our parents, parents, parents have all held this belief that mental health issues are um, self-imposed, are weaknesses, and are somehow um, the person's responsibility to fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so much the narrative in our society that, like, if you have some sort of physical ailment, oh, it's, you know, this is fine. We'll just treat your heart disease and whatever. But then if you have depression, all of a sudden we say, this is your fault. It's because you created yeah, this and we blame. Yeah, you're not doing enough of this. You're not doing enough of that. Have you tried this? How about your diet? How about your exercise? I mean, the, yes. And so it's always placed on that holder's responsibility versus mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, we all have mental health and we right. all will struggle with it at some point in our lives, some more than others. What can we do so that there's a safety net for people to get better? Yes, absolutely. And like you said, it's going to take time and so much um, collective action. I think about mm-hmm. it as I love that you called it earlier discrimination and prejudice because anything like if we're doing anti-racism work if we're doing feminist Mm -hmm. work we're doing you know busting up mental health stigma work that's all stuff that is super um ingrained in our cultural ways of being and might change culture to culture right we're here in the u.s and it might be different here than it is like you mentioned earlier in saudi arabia Um, yeah so there's all of these conversations within small groups and within cultures and within the, you know, the global community for us to have. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how have you seen, and, and I might share some of, some of my experiences too, but I'm curious for yourself and for your clients, like how have you seen stigma show up? Like what are the different ways we might experience this or see it if we're noticing other people stigmatizing mental illness? Yeah. yeah, I really like this question because it makes me think about um, how there's external stigma, so societal stigma mm-hmm. around mental health, but there's also internal stigma. And so that's self-stigma. And yes. I think that it's a really interesting dynamic that shows up because if we live in a world, which we do, that stigmatizes mental health issues, we ourselves start to internalize that. Mm-hmm. And we start to question the own validity of our own struggles. Right. And so it's coupled on top of what is already difficult. Let's say, um, you know, for myself, for example, anxiety. I have struggled with anxiety in different chapters of my life. And I got the message very early on that anxiety was just, you know, me being too sensitive or too fearful or, mm-hmm. or not pushing myself enough. And so I began to internalize that as I was too fearful, I was too sensitive, I was, you know, too scared. And so it deepened my um, understanding that anxiety was somehow my fault and I was responsible for it being the way that it was manifesting. And so self-stigma came into the picture, right? And so then I was resistant to things like therapy because there was a stigma around that. And what would it mean if I were to participate in that? You know, being resistant to medications, all these things are because not only does society stigmatize it, but then we internalize that and we ourselves limit Mm -hmm. our access to different lines of support because we then 
view it in a similar light. Right. So it's so important to know that not only are people fighting the stigma of their environment, but they're fighting the stigma that they've now internalized because the message that they continue to receive is if you struggle with your mental health, it is somehow your fault, responsibility, mm-hmm. decision, failing, and if you believe that about yourself, think about how much harder that is for you to ask for help, to get help, right. to, to even acknowledge that help could be supportive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you speak to that internalized stigma because we get so yeah. much of the, the like language that we're hearing in the culture, the way we portray mental illness in media, like all of these yeah. things are those external stigmas. And then internally mm-hmm. we judge ourselves. Um, Absolutely. I had a little memory pop up as you were talking about that. And I've talked on my my Instagram and even on this podcast a little bit about my history of suicidal ideation, self-harm and, mm-hmm. and suicide attempt. And it's something I've only in the last, you know, year or two been open about because, right. you know, there's to me, at least in my experience, that has like extra stigma attached to it, it, does. Um, it does. which is part of why I feel it's really important to talk about. But as I heard you talking about um, how stigma can get in the way of us seeking help. I remember right after my attempt, I was, my family tried to get me to go into inpatient hospitalization and the, the hospital, the mental health institution in my hometown was super stigmatized. Like people would use the, the Mm -hmm. name of that hospital, like as an insult, like, Oh, that person needs to go to Snowden. And I remember being adamantly refusing to go there to my parents. I was like, I will not go there. I will like never, ever, ever do this. Um, so I ended up getting treatment elsewhere, luckily. Um, but I remember feeling so afraid of being one of those people who has to go to the hospital. Right. Um, that, like that stigma is so powerful and gets in the way so much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't have a family support system that's pushing right. you, um, you will fall through the cracks. Exactly. And you you will, you know, continue to struggle. And, and that is where it can be really dangerous. Um, because, you know, sometimes when, our, when we are in our darkest moments, we need other people to, mm-hmm. you know, hold that light for us. And when we are inflicted with our own self-stigma, that's, again, an additional layer that can get in the way. Totally. Yeah, because it might keep us from talking to somebody that might save a life. I mean, I talk mm-hmm. about this with suicide prevention all the time of like, we need to talk about it to save people. Um, yep. and, and part of that is the person who's experiencing themselves, right. Yep. Um, bringing it up, which is part of like, we need to bust up stigma in all external and internal ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that when that person does ask for support, then they're not judged by whoever it is that they're talking to. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other sort of, I mean, well, let me back up and, and formulate a question. <laughs> no, yeah. I think one of the biggest sort of clearest harms of stigma is that somebody might need help, not get it for all these reasons we've been talking about, right. and they might experience suicidal ideation and might follow through on those thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm curious mm-hmm. what some of the other impacts of stigma mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that... I see stigma as harming all of us kind of on this spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Worst case scenario, you know, it keeps somebody in their deepest, darkest pain. But there's also other ways that it um, impacts people on a personal, on a professional, on a systemic level, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think about how, you know, we, we can't even advocate for something like mental health days because mental health is still so stigmatized and what would that be like if we could have these conversations in schools and workplaces and have these days you know um part of our our sick leave part Mm -hmm. of our excused absences what would it be like to normalize our mental health so much that even um communities and workplaces and school systems could 
could, you know, be proactive. So much mm-hmm. of our mental health care system is reactive um, and used as a crisis management. Yeah. What would it be like if we could remove some of these layers of stigma and start early on and start in the communities, in the workplaces, in the schools where people are spending the majority of their time having these conversations so that people can learn early on how to access help early Mm -hmm. on how to know the signs and the symptoms of a mental health issue stigma is is keeping people from even opening the door to getting help as soon as possible Mm -hmm. versus what we're currently seeing which is therapy treatment medication hospitalizations all of that stuff still a last resort right and i and i think stigma is part of that i think we're continuing to view all of this as how do we treat mental illness but why aren't we talking about how do we sustain mental wellness right oh i love that distinction yeah yeah like how can we do prevention instead of reaction Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. It makes me think of like so many clients who come to my office and they're like, okay, I've tried this and this and this and this, and now I'm finally at therapy. Yes. And mm-hmm. we talk for a couple of sessions and I say something like, it sounds like you're experiencing a lot of anxiety. And they mm-hmm. look at me like I might like, I'm an alien. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah. what is anxiety? Is this anxiety? And I'm like, oh my gosh, look how Yeah, no much... one's ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about it, so you didn't even know that you were experiencing anxiety. And we're just mm-hmm. suffering with this thing that, like, we have tools that can really help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And like you said, if people don't know how to name what they're feeling, if they're not taught um, social, emotional, you know, awareness mm-hmm. and insight, then they will continue to walk around with only limited insight to what is really going on for them. Right. And and that is such a disservice for all of us, because if we could learn about mental well-being, mental health, and the fact that we all have it, then we can learn how to take care of it as well as know what might be going on if we start to notice certain signs and symptoms show up in our lives. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think about like mental illness itself is stigmatized and judged. And then also just an emotional experience is really judged as well, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether it sort of tips over into something diagnosable. It's like, oh, you're sad? Like, get no deal with that yeah, no, deal with that I don't over like there. That. Yeah. <laughs> We're so uncomfortable yeah. with emotions in our culture. Um, yes. that really trickles into how we think about mental health and mental illness. Right, right. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, our emotions then are, you know, um, bigger or stronger or louder. And so that only makes people want to shut down more around that. Exactly. How are we teaching people that um, emotions are our messengers, our information, are, are things that we want to be curious about versus suppressing, repressing, shutting, avoiding? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That just made me think about this this awesome post that you share every once in a while on your Instagram of like, what if we made uh, therapy like going to the gym? <laughs> Yes, like what I if therapy like was as normal? I do like that analogy. It's yeah. so good. Because <laughs> we think about for physical health, like how normal it is to go and work out, work out your body. Have a gym membership. Yeah. yeah. And like, Yeah, no if... one's saying like, oh my gosh, why do you need a gym? Right. Right? But people are like, oh my gosh, why do you need a therapist? Right. <laughs> like, you know, and, and I, it doesn't make sense. You know, people go to the gym because they are trying to dedicate time, energy on their health, on strengthening things, on maybe rehabilitating injury. Well, think of mental health in the same way. Therapy is a gym for your mental health, a place that you go to strengthen your coping skills, to heal trauma, to have awareness around, you know, distress. It's it's the same thing. It's it's a space for you to work on your wellness and it shouldn't matter if it's for mental health or physical health. We are whole beings. And so why are we neglecting something that every single person has? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's such a good analogy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what are some of the ways you think that we can combat and start to change the culture around mental health? Well, there's a few things that come to mind. First is always um, the ability and the opportunity for us to share our lived experiences. Yes. And what I mean by that is whether you're a therapist, a teacher, a lawyer, a parent, whoever you are, finding ways to share your own experiences um, so that others can feel less alone. So others can understand that many of us, if not all of us, struggle with these things at some point. Unfortunately, you know, we still live in a world where it's not safe for everyone to talk about their mental health struggles Mm -hmm. because there is discrimination and prejudices. You know, I talk about how it's difficult for people in the workplace to talk about it because they could be looked over for a promotion. You know, these these barriers are still very much there. But if for you, you are able to share your own mental health experiences and your own avenues to, you know, relief and healing that can be almost like a roadmap for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so giving ourselves permission to share our stories in hopes that it can allow other people to feel safe enough to share theirs, I think is, is truly a way that all of us can start to impact stigma. Yes. It's such a way to normalize. Like you said, everyone Mm -hmm. has mental health. Everyone has struggles. And when one person starts talking about it, then it makes it safe for some of the people around them to start talking about it, which trickles out to the people around those people and the people around those people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you notice this? We'll get back to some other ways to fight stigma, but I'm curious if you notice this, like as a therapist, being a person just mm-hmm. moving around the world saying, I'm a mental health professional that everybody's like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, so let me tell you about mm-hmm. <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. I find that sometimes just my presence in social circles sort of creates yeah. this permission to talk about mental health. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's such a lovely way to put it because I think sometimes, um, you know, I have been known in the past to kind of not really want to share what I do because, you know, people tend to, um, you know, say offhanded remarks like, Oh, are you reading my mind? Are you analyzing me? And so I just, there's some days where I'm like, I don't really have the energy, but I like that you're bringing it up in a way that like that probably makes people, some people at least feel really safe. Um, and you know, that when we share what we do as a career, that in itself might let people know that we're a safe person, Mm -hmm. um, that we don't have to be their therapist, but we can be somebody that they can seek out at least um, instruction on how to find the right resources. Right, Right. yeah, yeah, I'm constantly helping people I either know closely or tangentially know find a therapist and just like call and (laughs) reach out. Totally. yeah, yeah. And we do get those varied reactions, you know, people. Yes. Are you analyzing me? It's probably the most yeah. common one. Yeah, or you can read my mind. I'm like, I am not a psychic. Or can you tell psychology. me what's wrong with my sister? <laughs> yeah. Oh I'm my like, gosh. I don't think I know. Probably no. nothing. We should probably just get her support. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there's um, some of those even just conversational ways to challenge the stigma. Yes. Like, nothing's wrong with her. Um, yeah. Yeah. What are some other ways we can... Uh, challenge stigma other than sort of sharing lived experience and talking about our own experiences? Yeah, I think that I education, I feel like, has to be mm-hmm. um, uh, a instrumental part of changing the narrative around mental health. I believe that from kindergarten on, there should be mental health Um, instruction under the guise of age-appropriate discussions, Um, whether it's teaching young kids how to identify their emotions Mm -hmm. and understanding what anger, sadness, happiness, nervousness, just giving people language all the way up to middle schoolers where we're we're seeing kind of this trend of onset of symptoms. How do you learn about what these are? What are signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety, trauma, right? over to high schoolers. How do we be proactive in this community around suicide prevention? How do we Mm -hmm. talk about accessing support? I think there's such an an influential way that we can start to have um, mental health education be part of the school systems Mm -hmm. that will, will 
change the generations to come because these people will have grown up with it being normalized from day one. Yes. And even if they're not having it in their homes, they're having it in their schools. And so it's it's reaching them at some point where they can then take the lead and utilize those skill sets, right, um, throughout theirs. So I think education has to be such an important part of removing the stigma around mental health and mental health challenges. Absolutely. And that education for kids as a way to help them become aware of their yes. own experience as they grow up yes. and hopefully seek yeah. help earlier, which would prevent yes. them, you know, having maybe deeper struggles in their later in life, right? Absolutely. And then I think about like adult education too, which is, uh, I think most of my followers, at least on Instagram, I think are adults at least by the age, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Permission slip, permission slip to join. Yeah. Um, And it's like, there's so much education there of people learning Mm -hmm. like, oh, I've had anxiety since I was 13 and now I'm 35 and I'm just naming it right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I think even as adults, that education is so valuable. And then those adults can pass it on to the kids in their lives. And yeah, that education is crucial. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways we might challenge stigma? I think another way that comes to mind um, that, you know, tends to be more time consuming individually, Mm -hmm. but absolutely impactful is taking time to research um, local and governmental mental health policies. And what I mean by that is that when we're voting for things around healthcare and healthcare access, we also need to be reading the fine print on what that has to do with mental health. Yes. There is so many systemic issues and barriers right off the bat from choosing your health insurance plan and how much or how little they're going to cover mental health treatment Mm -hmm. versus voting people into office that care about mental health and mental health access. We have to do the research and, and read, you know, these rules and regulations and choose to vote with mental health in mind Mm -hmm. because that affects all of us and it affects um, especially people who are most vulnerable who oftentimes are not getting the mental health support that could be changing for them. Mm -hmm. So understanding that there's policies at play, that there's health insurance, that there's hospital systems, that the mental health care system is absolutely broken Mm -hmm. under the guise that it ever worked, which I don't believe it did. So what are we doing in a systemic way and how are we using our individual voice through voting so that we are saying that when we're talking about health care, we also need to be talking about mental health care and having services covered by insurance so that people can have access irregardless to um, financial income. Yes. Yeah, because finances can be such a barrier to seeking help and the insurance requirements to getting into therapy can be so strict sometimes. Um, Yeah, so that individual voting, researching your both local and national politics around mental health support. And a lot of this is at the local level. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like I know here in Seattle, years ago um there were some some tax things that or tax levies that funded a mental health institution in the area that has been doing really awesome work um and that wouldn't have happened right if we didn't have that legislation supported and voted for Mm -hmm. and that's really at the local Mm -hmm. level and then of course Mm -hmm. there's national level stuff happening too yeah and i think about um how you know something like funding for mental health research continues to be such a small percentage of Mm -hmm. where our government funding is going that no wonder we still know so little about mental health and mental health conditions. I mean, there's been such a cap on, on just grants and funding for mental health yet we're confused why we don't know more about how to support people who are challenging. Mm -hmm. Why is our you know taxes and 
other streams of income not going towards mental health research and not going towards finding new and innovative ways for people to have good results, uh, have opportunities to heal, have different ways of feeling better. Right now, we have only a handful of options to give the people we work with. Why is there not more? And why is that not something that people are are seeing as a public health crisis? Exactly. I love that you that you bring that up. That and you said it earlier that mental health is health, and that treating mm-hmm. mental health and doing preventative care for mental health is also impacting our physical health. I did an mm-hmm. episode a while back where I talked about stress and the various yeah. impacts that unnamed and untreated stress is killing us really mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think all sort of mental health can be sort of connected with that where you mm-hmm. know if i'm unhappy then my physical health is impacted in a negative absolutely. way absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so sort of reallocating our energy yes. to prevention right yep. and support yeah. across the board yeah absolutely super valuable One other thought that's coming to mind for me and challenging stigma is around the language that we use for mental Mm -hmm. illness. Can you speak to that Mm -hmm. for a minute? Yeah, I think that notoriously we have found ourselves to use um, mental health conditions in a very derogatory or misconceived way mm-hmm. and unfortunately that still seems to permeate our culture and what I mean by that is that you know we call people um, you know these different terms or terminologies that insinuate struggling with your mental health mm-hmm. is a negative thing And unfortunately, that impacts the way we view it. The language we use to talk about mental health then in turn colors the lens that we view and interact with those who might be struggling with Mm -hmm. it. And so I see so much stigma around the language that we use when it comes to mental health, everything from Um, invalidating it and minimizing it Mm -hmm. through a comment like, you know, the weather uh, is so bipolar, right? right? A a, a simple comment that we all know someone has said, but if you take the time to break it down, you understand that what that person is saying is that the weather is inconsistent, not um, a medical condition that can be extremely debilitating for someone. Right. So example right there of how that is so easily minimizing a real life struggle when we attach it to something like the weather, right? You know, walking around and saying, I'm going to kill myself if, you know, um, my science teacher gives me another paper is another way that we invalidate the fact that people are walking around struggling with staying afloat and that maybe a lot of people aren't taking, you know, suicidal ideation seriously. Mm -hmm. We just see it in all these ways that we talk about life and we then in turn use terminology or language that is truly either invalidating or discriminatory we call somebody um you know a psycho in the middle of a fight we forget that that term comes from psychosis and and we are weaponizing a mental illness as a term in an argument and so for some people they might hear this and like oh well is that really a big deal well yeah because the way we speak about mental health is the way we hear it and the way we internalize it and the way we perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. And so the words and the terms and and the way we discuss it absolutely impacts not only the way we view it, but the people around us view it and hear it and then develop their ideas around it. 
Exactly. Language has such an impact on how we think about our world and is so reflective of how we think about Mm -hmm. our world. It has that sort of Mm -hmm. chicken or egg thing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the languaging things that I think I've brought up on this podcast before is the language that we use around suicide that someone has committed suicide. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, every time I talk about stigma in language, I like am plugging this one because it's one that I just notice a lot and want to challenge that committed sort of implies a crime. You know, we commit homicide or we commit yeah. arson. We don't commit suicide. We we right. die by suicide you know it's not mm-hmm. a crime it's a cause of death and mm-hmm. so i i love that you're speaking to this of how important our language can be and how we think about this stuff and i think about you know when you're saying that i think about how we still read headlines all the time you know about um people committing suicide right mm-hmm. and so if these are on our headlines and our newspapers and our social media feeds then this is how we start to formulate our thoughts and opinions about it. And so, you know, where are the, um, you know, advocacy work around changing how these big corporations, these big publications are even running stories about mental health? Um, Why are we um, allowing that kind of language to still be commonly accepted? Versus every time we see somebody say, you know, this, this, this celebrity, you know, committed suicide, why, why isn't that a backlash? And Mm -hmm. people saying like, no, it's not okay to say that. And unfortunately, I think it's because people are still scared to talk about mental health. And I think people are scared to be mental health advocates. And and that to me is really hard because you and me sit in a, a different position of power as therapists right? We, we do get um, a voice around mental health, but I can imagine that so many people feel like they can't be mental health advocates Mm -hmm. because um, what would it mean to be that even? Right. Right. And so part of this work also, I think is empowering people to Mm -hmm. call out stigma when we see it, that, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as mental health professionals, we might feel a little more space to be able to do that Um, because we have, you know, whatever credential to quote unquote back it up, (laughs) which, you know, don't get me started on credentials around this stuff. Um, But anyone can say, like you said, like, hey, that's not okay. Don't don't call that person crazy. That's not cool. Say use another word Um, that we can all sort of um, do this work. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the really cool things about the Therapy is Cool campaign is that, you know, there's people in all 50 states and 30 something countries wearing this shirt and carrying around this tote and having these stickers on their laptops and water bottles where people can see like, oh, huh, that person, maybe that person goes to therapy. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm not alone. Absolutely. Or, you know, maybe I can ask them their opinion on it, or maybe I can start a conversation. And it's been really cool because, you know, some of these people who have sent me, you know, emails or DMs are saying like, I don't go to therapy, but I want people to know that it's okay to, or that it's, it's normal to, right. And, and that, you know, it should be like any other, um, you know, healthcare or support system available Mm -hmm. that this has to be normalized just as other forms of help, support, treatment is. And so we need to be encouraging people to support one another mm-hmm. versus questioning or, or putting people down, you know, inadvertently or advertently if they're struggling with their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And the, those conversations are so needed and powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I just like so admire what you've done and what you are doing. And Thank you. I know it was recently World Mental Health Day, and so yeah. Therapy is Cool turned turn two. It turned two. Ah, yep. So exciting. I know. I know. It's crazy. What are some of the coolest things that you've like heard or seen as a result of this campaign? Some of my favorite things have been um people's responses to posts around therapy is cool so somebody will wear a shirt and then do you know a facebook or instagram post um where they're talking about you know um why they believe therapy is cool and they're actually using it almost as like a a starting point to sharing their story and and it's almost like oh there's the thing that i 
that I can kind of center around um, a post where I can talk about why mental health is important to me. Mm -hmm. Another favorite thing is kind of the conversations um, that have started because of somebody commenting on, you know, a tote or a shirt. People will email me and um, one that sticks out is somebody was wearing um, the hashtag therapy, it's cool tote in an elevator. And there were two business men in the elevator with her and one said, oh, hey, uh, what's your tote mean? Mm-hmm. And the individual who's wearing it said, oh, it's therapy, it's cool, you know, we're, we're trying to normalize, you know, uh, accessing mental health. And this other guy said, oh, well, be careful. If you wear that, people might think you're in therapy. And guy number one, who initially kind of asked about it, said, and what's the problem with that, Dan? Yeah. That was so cool. That's amazing. To see, like, these two guys, you know, like, having a conversation, one of them getting called out. Right. Um, and, you know, knowing that it's like, okay, well, these two people are viewing it completely different. Right. One saw this toad as, like, this negative connotation, and this other person was like, yeah, no, like, what's that what's the issue with going there be like it's great right and so it's really cool to see like that being a conversation starter and Mm -hmm. that being kind of opportunity to you know dispel um all the thoughts and preconceived notions that we continue to hold around mental health and then in turn mental health treatment yeah for sure that is so cool. I'm feeling inspired after we get off this call. I want to get on Instagram and search the hashtag therapy is cool and just like it. read every post of you everyone. Should, because I think um, it was so cool when we, when we started, there was like a few hundred. Yeah. And I think we're like inching towards 80,000 Instagram. Oh my goodness. Um, either post or like use it. I don't know exactly how to calculate it, but it'll tell you like how many times it's been used. And I think we're inching towards 80,000. So it's really cool um, to know that either people are wearing it or even just using the hashtag um, in a post. It's it's letting people know even subconsciously, like this is not a shameful thing. Yeah. Yeah. That is so rad. I was about to say cool. And then I'm like, it's but so cool. <laughs> Use all the adjectives for it. It's yeah. amazing. See? Therapy is rad. It can be a new hashtag. Yeah, it's so amazing. <laughs> I am uh, keeping an eye on our time, and I'm wondering yep. if there's anything that I should have asked you but didn't or anything that you want to share before we plug all your social medias and websites and stuff. Yeah. Not that's coming to mind. All right. I think we hit kind of all my, my mental health stigma talking point. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So where can people find you online or your practice or therapy is mm-hmm. cool merch? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell us all the things. Absolutely. So I am currently only, um, on Instagram under, um, the handle at Dr. Christina underscore. Right. Um, we have a um, hashtag therapy is cool Instagram account currently. I think our community is up to 10,000 people. So right. that has been really beautiful as well because I try to reshare um, the posts there. So that it's kind of like a one stop shop for people who want to either know about the campaign, know where the um, I didn't mention this, each month's proceeds go to a different mental health organization. And so you can kind of get up to date on where is this month's proceeds are going, where did last month's, you know, and so kind of be in the know about what's going on with the campaign, but also get to um, see all the reposts on Mm -hmm. what people are sharing and how they're utilizing this as kind of um, a mechanism to talk about mental health. So you can do that at hashtag therapy is cool. Hashtag is spelled out. We also have the um, hashtag therapy is cool mental health action campaign website, which is www.spelled out hashtag therapy is cool.com. And there you can see and purchase all the merchandise, see all the updates um, Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, view um the reposts from different social media outlets that kind of come together in our update section so those are kind of the different ways to um be part of the campaign and also kind of start to introduce yourself to the communities of fellow mental health advocates who are also doing um similar work and Mm -hmm. and wanting to change the narrative around mental health 
Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So people can Great. get to you on Instagram yep. at Dr. Christina underscore at hashtag therapy is cool and mm-hmm. hashtag therapy is cool.com. And I'll put all of those in the, in the show notes okay. for the podcast Great. as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I like absolutely love having this conversation. I will talk about this all day, every day. So I thank really appreciate you. you coming on. Yeah. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to connect, you know, once pandemic life is, <laughs> is no longer and, you know, it'll be awesome to continue to kind of connect with, you know, other therapists who are, you know, joining together and, and collectively, you know, helping kind of push, push forward this this necessary change around mental health and and therapy absolutely absolutely thank you so much absolutely That was such a great conversation. I'm so grateful for Christina coming on the podcast and really hope that you all check out the hashtag therapy is cool mental health action campaign. So you can go get your merch on their website. That's spelled out hashtag therapy is cool.com. There are stickers and tote bags and shirts. And I think there's new merch coming out soon, uh, a new piece of uh, clothing or something with the hashtag therapy is cool on it. This is such a good way to promote conversations with people about therapy. I've got some therapy is cool merch that I wear out in the world and I have people like call it out and say, Hey, look, like that's cool. Or I love therapy or people who ask like, do you go to therapy? Um, and then that can start this really great conversation around what therapy is, how it can be helpful, really normalizing therapy, normalizing mental health, which is really the name of the game here. And I really admire what Christine is doing. Every month, she picks a mental health nonprofit to donate the proceeds to. So getting this merch not only starts conversations, but also puts your dollars to good use in the community. You can also follow Therapy is Cool on Instagram at spelled out hashtag therapy is cool. You can find more from Dr. Christina on Instagram at Dr. Christina underscore. Thank you so much for listening to this wonderful conversation and for being an ally in the fight uh, to normalize mental health. I appreciate you so, so much. If you want to hear more from me, you can go to Instagram at Tony Talks Therapy. You'll get more from me there mostly every day about my plants blooming and my cat and my dog being adorable and some sweet mental health information as well. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. If you like this podcast, rate, review, subscribe, share on social media, and tag me. I love to hear what you all think and what's resonating with you. So again, thank you for listening. Take care.